bless your name, Jesus. We thank you that you are king and you are sovereign over all and in all and through all. You are God. That there is not a single detail of our lives that is outside of your scope, that is beyond your reach, that is beyond your love. But every single detail of our lives, you have it all in the palm of your hands. And so tonight, God, we choose not to give our situation glory, but to give You glory. Not to give our limitation glory, but to give You glory. Not to give our disappointment or discouragement glory. We acknowledge that these things exist, but the glory and the honour and the praise goes to You, Almighty God. Come on church, one more time. Can we lift up just a shout of praise? Can you lift your voice to the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the One who is in all and over all and through all. We give You praise, Almighty God. Thank You, Jesus. Hey church, um, hi, I'm Esther. Hello, it's really, really great to be here. Um, you know, just during worship, I just got this picture, quite similar to Pastor Steve's, but this uh, this picture, funny little picture of a uh, Jack in the Box, eh? I don't know if that's the tune, but that's the one that was in my head. It is, it's the tune, eh? Right? And um, all good fun and games for a child's toy. Um, but, but actually just that there's a sense that there's just been a winding tension in people's lives. And there's, there's many things in our lives that can cause tension. Um, you know, just being human will do that. And then living with other humans, that often causes tension just in and of itself. And then there's just the stuff that's outside of our control, the cost of living, disease, famine, the news, all, all of that stuff. And there's just, just like a tension that can build up and build up and build up. But just tonight, what I saw in my mind was just the lid pop. And sometimes we think that tension is a bad thing. So we want to take the tension away. But actually, sometimes the tension can work for you. Where, where, where if you just go with the process that God has you in and you go with that tension and you don't say, God, just take it all away. But actually God, even in the tension, you are worthy. Even in the difficulty, I'm gonna show up on a Thursday night. Even in the trial, even in the fire, I'm, gonna, I'm just here, God. And some of us here, we're barely here. We're just barely holding on. But sometimes that tension, if we submit that to God, eventually pop and there's a release. And I just believe there's a release in the house tonight, that there's gonna be a release and some of that release is gonna be healing in the Name of Jesus. Some of that release is gonna be financial in the Name of Jesus. But I just believe there's gonna be a supernatural release tonight. But in, I, I just reckon for the next 20 minutes, can we just engage? Not with me, although that's fun. That's a good time. But just engage with what God is doing. So Father, we just quiet.
just the distractions or anything else that's going on, we just quiet that and we just lean into Your voice. I pray, Father God, that the words that come out of my mouth, that if they're of me, let it fall to the ground. But all the things of You would just land in people's hearts and would land in the right way at the right time. And in Jesus' Name, that that release will come that people have been asking for, asking for, asking for. God, would You move in this area? God, You're going to bring release in Jesus' Name. Can you say Amen? Can you shout Amen? Amen. Can you look at your neighbour and say Amen? Amen. Look at your other neighbour, say Amen. All right, then you can, you know, turn around five times, take a seat. Can we thank the worship team? How amazing. Nice, nice. They're so good, eh? Just a total stranger, just come on stage and start ordering them around. And they're just so lovely about it. So lovely. Hey, um, I'm Esther Greenwood. I'm from uh, New Zealand. Uh, My particular flavour of brown is Fijian. Um, Hey, Bula. Bula. Any Fijians? My man, Pastor Rodney. Hey. Or just there are some people just putting their hands up. You want to be Fijian. That's all right. That's all right. Yeah, come on. Come on. Amen. Amen. Um, And it's just really, really wonderful to be here. Um, I have one husband and I have, is that funny? Do people have more than one husband here? Canberra. Don't know. I've never been to Canberra before, so I don't know what the rules are in this state. (laughs) But I certainly just have one husband. His name is Benjamin. And I have a four-year-old son, Malachi, and a one-year-old daughter, Micah Rose. And uh, we've been a part of the Equippers family forever. Um, Not forever. For about 23 years, Equippers has been my home. It's where I came to know the Lord. It's where I learned um, how to... Um, worship and serve and love and lead and laugh really loud and, you know, dance out of rhythm and, you know, lift hands and be all of those things and do all of those things. And so I love home. Um, But already this is starting to feel like home. Hey, this is cool. This is a little bit of fun. Yeah. I I think I'm more excited about it than you, but that's okay. Um, and so t- tonight, uh, well, this week's called Revival Week. This is my first Revival Week. So I'm so excited already. I'm like, what has been going on here? There's been some awesome things going on. And um, today I do, uh, if, you, if you like to take notes, if you're that sort. Anyone? Oh, we have a lot of note takers. Geeks. <laughs> Nerds. I love it. That's me. You're my crew. Oh, yeah, let's go. So if you're taking notes um, tonight, the title of the message, it might come up on the screens. It's called The Way of Revival. And, um, and <laughs> it's, it sounds awesome. Um, and it's going to be awesome. <laughs> and look, it's a really simple message tonight. Because even, um, even as Pastor Natasha was praying as well, that we want revival to come to our communities and to our families and from the churches that we've come from and the workplaces and histories that we all have and the narratives and stories that we all have as woven into our lives. We want revival to come. But, you know, (laughs) I think it's a funny thing in the Christian world because whenever we put revival in a song, it's just really... Fun. 
Hey, it's it's like it's cool, and it's worship, you know, and it's oh yeah, God revival. And I, it's, I'm not trying to make fun of those things. I think that's awesome, but when 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 I think about revival, I think oh yep, I I can't let that awesome melody distract me. That the very inference of an ask of revival means that there's something that's dead that needs to be revived. Right? And just, you, you know what I'm saying? Like, oh, revival. <laughs> it's like, yeah, 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 yeah. It's awesome. But that very inference, that's an admission. That's great. That's humility. Something's dead and needs to come alive again. Something has been dormant. Something has been sleeping and it needs to wake up again. And so when we're talking about revival, it's, it's, it's that. It's actually going to some really honest and truthful places in our lives. And before, listen, before revival can come to a community, it has to come to you. Before revival can come to your family, God, would you move in my family? It's gotta come to you first. Because revival isn't a thing that happens. Like sometimes we think revival, like the Azusa Street revival or those revivals that, that were going on in the US recently at those universities. Like we think, oh man, God, wouldn't that be awesome? Do not trip. That started in a person's heart before it exploded out of a building. Right? And we're like, oh, we just need to get in a building and we just need to do worship for a long, 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 long time. I don't know about you, but I'm like, yeah, nah. Nah, I get hungry real quick. Is there going to be food? You know what I'm saying? But, but you all know what I'm saying, right? Because we all love to eat. Okay. But what happens when it starts in someone's heart first, then it becomes something that is unstoppable. And so I want to encourage us today, God, let revival come to our state. God, let revival come to our church. God, let revival come to our communities. You are asking God to revive you. You are asking God to bring something alive in you. So tonight, while we are asking for God to bring revival to Australia, Perhaps the question is, God, where do I need to be revived? God, where do I need to be revived? Perhaps tonight you need a little bit of hope revived. What is hope? And this is the way I like to think about hope. Hope is the way that you walk. It's not where you walk, it's just the way that you walk. Right? That's hopeful. It's, I, I, I think hope, because hope is the expectation that something good is going to happen. So it makes you walk differently. Hope is the expectation that something good is going to happen. I've been asking God, would you move? God, would you shift this thing in my health? God, would you shift this thinking in my mind? God, my heart has been shattered. God, would you, would you do what only you can do? And as you walk that road, there is the expectation of coming good. 
not based on your situation, but based on the character of God, who was the same yesterday, today and forevermore. This is why we've got to understand that we don't put our hope in things or in results, but on the unchanging character of God. If we don't do that, then our heart becomes sick because our hope becomes deferred because we put our hope in things that are finite instead of the one who is infinite. Yeah? Perhaps hope needs to be revived tonight. And that's not a difficult thing. All we need to do is shift our hope. And so maybe hope needs to be revived. Maybe joy needs to be revived. Who loved that first praise song? Yeah, I loved it. Everyone down the front. I was like, yes, I love that. Maybe joy needs to be revived because we know that the joy of the Lord is our... The joy of the Lord is our... Tell, just tell the truth. When you see people who are going through a really difficult time, but they are joyful, how many of you guys... Moment of honesty. How many of us in the room are like, ah, oh, they're just faking it. <laughs> nah, 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 nah. Or how many of us genuinely think, man, they're weird. That's just strange. Yeah, it is strange. It is strange. And it is weird because it's not from ourselves. Because the joy of the Lord is our strength. And joy is awesome, fam. Because wherever you are with your workplace, your work colleagues, your family, your friends, uh, sometimes we walk through situations that steal our joy. And maybe tonight that the Lord would say that He wants to restore your joy so you can get up and go again. Perhaps love needs to be revived. And where there used to be love in your heart, it's not that there's hate, there's just indifference. Hey, because that's what I think. The opposite of love isn't necessarily hate. It's just like this indifference, like you just don't care anymore. Like the things you used to care about, you don't care about. The things that used to have you on your knees before the Lord crying out, God, would you move? You're like, yeah, if He does, all good. If He doesn't, yeah, all good. Maybe, maybe God wants to bring a hope, a joy, a love to come alive again. When I was 14 years old, I walked into this church. Um, it was at the time called Auckland City Church. Um, and it's the church that I'm now part of, Equippers. And I walked in as a 14-year-old. Um, I had grown up part of the Fijian Methodist Church. And I had never been to a church like this before. Um, it was odd. It was strange. Couldn't understand why people were so happy, rather offended at how loud everything was. Um, I was. I was like, don't you people know how to be in church? Be quiet. I was just, it, it, it astounded me. People were dancing. They didn't know how to dance. Um, people were singing. Some of them couldn't sing. <laughs> and I was like, this is, it just, it weirded me out. Um, and, and I was a Christian. <laughs> well, I had a knowledge of the Lord and I came into this building um, and I'd walked into this church because my family had been through a lot of trauma and abuse and, and then had kind of uh, culminated in a really messy divorce with my parents. Um, and so I walked into this church and I sat at the back and I was 14 years old and just had walked through so much um, 
trauma and rejection and loneliness. And I had grown up learning about God. I had grown up going to this Methodist church and going to Sunday school that was not like kids' church is today. The Sunday school I grew up going to, we did exams. We had to memorize chunks of scripture and then do exams. And then we had prize giving in front of the whole church. So you better have done well. And so I'd learned about this God. I'd learned about Jesus who did miracles. I'd learned about this Jesus who would stop in the middle of a street, of a street and would heal. I'd learned all of these things. And yet, where was this God? Where was this God in my life? And I sat at the back of this church and I looked uh, as I experienced this really confusing but awesome place. And I'd wondered how come this, these people in this room had so much joy, had so much hope, had so much love. And I remember at the end of the service, the pastor was preaching. I don't know what he preached about, but I remember having a conversation with God that went like this. God, I don't know if you're real and I don't think I care, but here's what I'm going to do. I was 14 years old. I said, God, I'm going to make a deal with you. Now, theologically, I don't know if you can make deals with God. I don't know. But I was 14 years old, and that's what I was doing. I said, I'll make this deal with you, God. I'm going to give my whole life to you. I'm going to try this Christian thing out. I'm going to, I'm going to read your word, and I'm going to go to church, and I'm going to join this weird youth group, and I'm going to do the things... And I'm going to give this Christian thing a go. But the minute that you let me down, the minute you leave me like my dad did, the minute that you don't come through on your word and on your promises, I will know you're not real and I walk away from you. I was 14 years old then. I'm 37 now. I, I look so young. <laughs> I, there was a gasp in the audience. <gasps> I know, girl, I know. Stop. I'm 37 now. And uh, from that moment till this, it's not an idea that has kept me steady. But it's a, it's a God who listens to the prayers of like 14-year-olds and who just shows up. And it's that God that I know. Not a, not a program, not, a, not, not cool music, although those things are fun and helpful and like really awesome. They all have their place. But for me, it's this God that just honoured the prayer of a 14-year-old. And today, I wonder that maybe some of us need to have moments like that again. Moments where God just revives hope Again, God has done some miracles in my family. And if you're going to be here Sunday morning, um, then I'll share a little bit of those miracles. If you're not, oh, well. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> uh, catch you next time. <laughs> but what I'm going to do is I'm going to read from the Scripture before you all think. Is she going to read the Bible at all? Yeah, yeah. Um, Exodus and chapter 34 and verse 6 says this. 
Um, just a little bit of context. You can leave that scripture up. This is uh, the, the, the part of Exodus where Moses is, is there and he's communing with God and the people of Egypt, uh, the people of Israel have left Egypt and they're there communing with God. And Moses has actually asked God a question in chapter 33. He says, God, just show me your glory. Show me who you are. Show me God. And God says, all right, I'm going to show up, but I'm going to give you a few instructions so you don't die in my glory. So here's what you... And then so God shows up to Moses and as he shows up and as his presence passes by Moses, God says this by way of introducing his manifest presence. He says, the, uh, he says Yahweh, the Lord, that's me, not me, that's God talking about himself. Yahweh, the Lord, the God of compassion and mercy, I am slow to anger and filled with unfailing love and faithfulness. I just want us to leave that scripture up there just as a a point of understanding to know that actually in, in biblical days, this is the most quoted scripture from biblical authors. So like for us, the most popular scripture might be John 3.16. For God so loved the, yeah, you know that one, eh? I hope it's the most popular scripture. For us, that's probably the most popular scripture, John 3, 16, ones we can quote backwards and forwards and that we know and we've heard all the time. For biblical authors, this is the one that they knew backwards and forwards and that they quoted all the time. This scripture is quoted again and again and again and again in the Word of God. It is the most referenced scripture. And I want us to take notice of this. When God is introducing Himself to Moses, when God reveals Himself, The first indicator, the first describer that God says, this is who I am. He describes Himself as compassionate. He describes Himself as compassionate. Interesting, not mighty, not holy, But he describes himself as the God of compassion. Say compassion. Say compassion. Turn to the person next to you and say compassionate. If you try and describe what God is like, that task in and of itself can be quite daunting. But here God does it for himself. He says that he is the God of compassion. And in Hebrew, that word is rachum. Say that, rachum, very good. And that describes an intense emotion, sometimes translated as being deeply moved. But when the Hebrew used this word, it wasn't just an emotion. Compassion was an action. So we might think compassion is like empathy or something on steroids. (laughs) Just like, oh my gosh. Oh, I just feel so much compassion for that situation. Shall we go get McDonald's? Hey, that's sometimes how we think about compassion. Oh man, this person's going through, oh my gosh. Shall we go to revival week? Yeah, yeah. And, but in, in Scripture, when that word rachum is used, it's not meant to be something that you just feel. It's something that you feel and then you act. And God says, I am deeply moved by your situation. And I'm so deeply moved, I act. And I'm, my action comes from a place of being deeply moved. 
not deeply angry, not deeply judgmental, not deeply, you still haven't got it together, but being deeply moved by the situation of His people. And I want to say this tonight, whenever we are in need of revival, we don't encounter God's anger. In the places that we need revival, we're not encountering His judgment. When, in the places that have died on the inside of us, we encounter first His compassion. And if we're looking for the way of revival here in us, it is through compassion. And the power of compassion is not meant to be and it should not be underestimated. It's the ability to care and then cooperate with the Spirit of God. So let's go to the Scripture. Luke chapter 7, verses 11 to 15. Soon afterward, he went to a town called Nain and the disciples and a great crowd went with him. As he drew near to the gate of the town, a funeral procession was coming out. A young man who... Oh, okay, it's on the escape. A young man who had died was a widow's only son and a large crowd from the village was with her. When the Lord saw her, his heart overflowed with? When the Lord saw her, his heart overflowed with? Don't cry, he said. Then he walked over to the coffin and touched it and the bearer stopped. Young man, he said, I tell you, get up. And the dead boy sat up and began to talk and Jesus gave him back to his mother. Uh, just as a bit of an aside before I continue, I wonder sometimes um, we just keep yelling at dead things to get up. But there's quite a big, there's quite a big lead up here that actually um, if we want the dead things to rise... First, we need to have compassion. There's compassion first. Then Jesus had compassion on the crowds and then said to the disciples, who's got some food so we can feed them lunch? Disciples says, we ain't got nothing. Tell them to all go home and eat. Jesus says, you feed them. Right? Again, Jesus filled with compassion and then he moves. God, would you move with these crazy people who just don't listen to you? Compassion. And the first thing I want to say is this, is that compassion sees. Verse 13 says, when the Lord saw her, he had compassion on her. Interesting, when the Lord saw her, the widow, not the dead son. When the Lord saw her, the widow crying, who had been robbed of her protector twice, widow, her husband, and then again, her son. She had been robbed twice. Jesus, Jesus saw the situation and all of a sudden it became the breeding ground for a miracle. There was an opportunity for heaven and earth to collide in a fresh perspective. I want to say there are two processions going on in the story. There's the one with Christ and his followers and then there's a corpse and a funeral. One is a group entering the town. Another is a group leaving the town for a burial. There is death and there is life. There is disorder and then there is order. There is mourning and then there is ministry. There is joy and gladness with Jesus and then there is sorrow and sadness. Jesus isn't moved by the son that is dead. He is moved by the woman who is grieving. 
He sees the brokenhearted. His eyes are toward you. And I think sometimes the reason why so much of us or so many of us can be stuck in places and spaces that aren't revived is that we think our way of seeing things is the only way to see it. Hey, uh, my, uh, our, our senior pastor at home, Pastor Sam, he, he says this line, which I think is really powerful. He says this, he says, you don't experience your reality, you experience your perspective. Isn't that true? Because you know when two people go through the same thing but have two different experiences, it's not because they have different realities. This isn't the multiverse. There's not different realities going on. It's the same reality, but two people having different perspectives have completely different experiences. And I wonder tonight, I wonder if you could see your situation different. I wonder if that place that needs revival, I wonder if you might have new sight tonight that you might see it differently. Jesus walks in and He says, there's something else that can be done here. Where the majority of us would say, there's only one thing that can be done here, a funeral. But Jesus walks in and He's like, yeah, there's, there's many things we can do here. Here's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna cause this boy to come to life so this mother can stop grieving. I think some of us spend so much time getting to know the ins and outs of our impossibilities the why we can't do things, that those impossibilities then imprison us. We build, a, we build a case for being small. We build a case for limitation. You don't know what I've been through. You don't know my family. You don't know my finances. You don't know my health journey. And when I hear that kind of talk, it's not that in my mind I'm thinking, oh man, they're just so negative. But when I hear that kind of talk, I'm like, man, how, many, how much do you want to imprison yourself with your own tongue? Right? And it doesn't take away from the fact that life gets difficult. People walk through difficult and significant trauma. But sometimes, and hear me, hear me church, Sometimes I think a victim mentality is created not because of recurring trauma, but because of rehearsing trauma. It's not that we're continuing to go through difficult things, but we keep rehearsing the difficulty in our minds. We wake up in the morning and we think about how that person offended. We wake up in the morning and bitterness and unforgiveness, it grows. We wake up, you know, we're going along at work and someone says something and it triggers something and we just keep rehearsing and ruminating and going over the terrible things. Now, I'm not, I'm not trying to make a case for denial of reality, simply the ability to look toward the truth. So when you look at your situation, what do you see? Because I think tonight, God wants to enable you to see things the way He sees them.
it is possible. A couple of weeks ago, I was in Sydney. Um, hey, Hamish, Hamish, come on up, bro. Um, a couple of weeks ago, I was in Sydney at a conference, and um, it was a young adults conference. Um, and But of course, it, it was for young adults and those who were young at heart. <laughs> so there were many, many generations and people in the room, which I thought was awesome. And um, afterwards, this lady and her husband, they would have been in their mid-50s maybe, um, they came up and they said, look, can you just pray for me? And um, she, she, she had said that uh, she had some eating difficulties and had gone to the doctors and that the doctors had um, given her a specific set of instructions when it came to her food um, and also some medication. The journey since seeing the doctors was so uh, full on, so painful, um, that she began to develop a really unhealthy relationship with food, uh, so much so that she wouldn't, she just didn't want to eat anymore. And by the time she had come to conference and come along, it had been about three months since she'd had like a meal. And that night I had just prayed as I was ministering and I'd felt before I came into the room that God had wanted to address and supernaturally heal eating disorders. And so I said, look, I don't know if there's anyone in this room, but if you have an eating disorder, I think, I just believe God wants to heal you. And so she came and she said, that's me. My health journey has been so full on that I've now developed this eating disorder and I cannot, the very thought of eating food is repulsive to me. And that's begun a whole nother set of issues. And she just said, can you pray? And so I was like, yep. And so we just held hands and we got there and we just prayed. And I, you know, I'm going to say that the roof did not open and a hallelujah chorus did not show up with the angels. It was not like that. But I just pray and we just believed. That was, um, that was a Friday night. And then Sunday morning, I was ministering at the church and this lady, she comes bounding into the church and she, before she even gets to me, she starts yelling, Esther, I ate breakfast this morning. And I was like, yes, let's go. And you know, everyone's like, woo, food. You know, like, Ah, Esther and her food, you know. Just everyone's just celebrating food. But we just had this moment, yes, food. And uh, that was that was the first meal she had eaten in a while, but she just believed, I'm healed, I'm healed, I'm healed. I got a message from her before I um, jumped on the plane today, and she she says, It's been three weeks and I've been eating three meals a day. And and the previous issues that had her in the doctor's office before, they are just slowly reversing themselves. She's not having those issues anymore. She's, the, the doctor said, you have to stay away from all these things. And she's like, well, I'm going to try just a little bit today. <laughs> and she would try things and then no effect. And I, I, I say all these things because not because I'm some kind of amazing prayer warrior, but when she came forward for prayer, she believed things could be different. Come on, don't we hear Jesus say it? Woman, go, your faith has made you well. 
But there's a space, there's a time, there's a moment here tonight where one, there had to be an acknowledgement from her. I need help. Two, the sheer possibility that God, if anyone can do anything in this situation, you can do it. There's another way. This might be dead, but there's another way. There is another way for your heart to be healed. There's another way for the relationship to be restored. There's another way. Come on, church, don't give up. It's so important because revival needs to come to you before it gets to anyone else. And the enemy would rather kill a seed than destroy the harvest. So if He can stop the revival in you, why don't you stand to your feet? I wonder tonight, what have you come with tonight? Have you come with just a seed of hope? Just a seed of hope when it comes to your marriage. Just a seed of hope when it comes to your children, your career, your finances, just a seed of hope when it comes to the trauma that you've walked through, the thing that no one else knows about. I wonder if you could take that seed and in Jesus' Name that you could see. I met a guy from a church called, bro, what's your church called? Imaginations? Imagination, plural? Oh, imaginations. It's like a wordplay thing. Oh man, you're so cool. <laughs> Such a cool name. And when I when I when I met him, I just met, I was like, I love, I love that idea, imagination. Because I actually think one way that revival gets stopped in its tracks is that we just our imagination is broken. We just don't dream anymore. It's been a tough couple of years on the globe. And we just don't dream anymore. But maybe if we could dream again, imagine again, see again, we might ask again. We might hope again. We might go again. We might forgive again. We might initiate again. We might love again. We might try again. But you don't do any of those things if you don't first see a possibility of something happening. So church, where in your life might there have been some limitation, some area in need of revival? Because I believe tonight God wants to lift the limits off. And He's gonna cause you to see and dream again in those areas. You know what we're gonna do? We're gonna worship. Hey, yeah. And this is why we're gonna worship, not because it's a ministry time and in ministry time we worship, but actually when we worship, we take our eyes off of ourselves and we put them on God and then it becomes this incubator of dreams. And I believe tonight as the release comes that God is gonna restore dreams in Jesus' Name. My bro over here at the back, 
with the moustache and the hood. Yeah, you, you're smiling because you know it's you. Yeah, yeah. I believe God's gonna restore the dream in your heart. And I don't know what it is. And I don't know what's happened to the dream, but there's been a concerted effort on your life to limit you and tell you that you cannot do things. But actually God is saying tonight, yes, you can. That if there's a dream that God has put in your heart, go for it, bro. That God will set the weight of the Kingdom behind you to see that dream come to pass. And what the enemy wants to do is have you say in your mind, oh, now all good. Oh, maybe someone else or sometime else or maybe when this or this is sorted. But I just believe God is saying, nah, dream. Let that dream come alive. Go forward in confidence with what's been placed in your heart. So Father, I pray a blessing on this young man. I pray that as he goes from here, Lord, he would dream like he has never dreamed before in living colour and with detail. Lord, that the dream would be in his sleep and in his waking hours, like it would be a vision that would call him forward into new things. God, I thank You that You're gonna take care of his family. You're gonna take care of the ones that he loves, that as he goes forward with the dream in his heart, You're not gonna leave his family behind but actually you're gonna bring restoration in that area for His family. So we thank You, God, for Your miracle working power. God, You restored my family. Restore His in Jesus' Name. In Jesus' Name, Amen. God bless you, bro. Hey, so here's what we're gonna do. The altar is open and the team are gonna lead us in worship. Why don't you close your eyes? Close your eyes tonight and just just take a minute to maybe consider if there's areas in your life that need revival. And you know what? It's probably all of us here that have those areas of revival. But maybe tonight, I just know that there are people in this room and this is the moment of release. The tension has been building. Some of you have been believing for breakthrough for so long. And tonight, I believe your breakthrough is here. There's a prayer team that's gonna be ready to come and stand with you and pray with you. And I'd love to pray with you. But as we worship, I believe God's gonna lift the limits off. That release and breakthrough is gonna come. That healing, is going to flow and that you're going to be able to see your situation different. So if that's you, as we lift up worship, why don't you just move out of your seat and boldly just come on up the front because we're going to continue to worship. We're going to continue to pray together. So just come, just move out your seat and just come. Come, come, come. Don't worry about anyone else next to you. But in Jesus' Name, Come on, those limitations are coming off.